Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Providence Journal presents Nick and Bob, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch. Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop podcast, our weekly look at the college basketball scene, both in Rhode Island and around the country. Uh, My name is Kevin McNamara. I'm here in Providence. Uh, Pre-Thanksgiving pick and pop today with uh, Bill Koch. Bill, uh, I know your turkey is maybe not even purchased yet, but it's certainly not cooking. So, uh, But welcome to the podcast once again, sir. Kevin, great to be here as always. Uh, In advance of my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. You know, my wife said the same thing last night, and I thought about it. I, I'm a Christmas person. I'm a Christmas baby, after all. I was born near Christmas, so I have True. a special Christmas affinity, but uh, it's tough to top Thanksgiving. It really is. It has a perfect blend of Americana, uh, food, football, but boy, it's going to be damn cold. Yeah. you know, Speaking of football, a lot of the high school folks are uh, postponing or, or moving up uh, their football games to Wednesday to try to avoid the cold. Uh, I'm seeing from our friends on the weather side, feel like temperatures in the single digits on Thursday morning. Uh, winter is here, apparently. Well, you know, not to reveal too many family secrets, but uh, I'd say once my kids became high school age, um, their cousins were around, two sets of cousins. So uh, the adults decided, hey, let's do a family football game on Thanksgiving. So I, I thankfully was not covering a high school football game. So I, we had our little own, you know, family game. I don't think I can pull it off this year, Bill. It's really cold. It's going to be tough. <laughs> of course, the twenty-somethings think I'm wimping out, but you know, I, pick and pop. I, I don't. I don't think I could, you know, pull a muscle. I need to get out on the court on by Saturday. <laughs> I need to be ready to go. You, you think that uh, Coach Cooley might be putting you in the game at some point? I know Coach Bill Corey wants me to post on Saturday. I can't. I can't have any injuries. We're in the heat of the season here. He's a sports editor. I think you'll be all right. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll see what happens. I know guilt could always come over me on Thursday morning, but uh, if that uh, thermometer is not over twenty, it ain't happening. Slip a little extra brandy in the coffee. Oof. It's a good move. I understand. I understand. Um, so I also like a Thanksgiving because, you know, everyone's all focused on the NFL and a few big college football games. But, boy, what a great week for college basketball. Feast it, it, week and appropriately named on ESPN and, and its family and networks. Yeah. I, uh, just yesterday on Monday, you know, I, I got a great look at um, at Xavier for the first time. They took Auburn to overtime and lost. Uh, I saw St. John's play Cal. Uh, Duke uh, crush San Diego State. Um, and then looking forward to more games the next couple of days. Is uh, ESPN to their credit really really focuses on college basketball tournaments this this time of year, and creates the type of matchups that not only you know are great to watch but are really really important for teams to win. They they probably get the best field you would say in the history of the Maui Invitational this year. Uh, the semifinal games are going to be number one Duke against number eight Auburn. And you've got number three Gonzaga against Arizona, who mm-hmm. is unranked, but not exactly one of the little sisters of the poor. 
four. Mm. I wonder if uh, they have a regular ski season game scheduled as well. Gonzaga and Arizona uh, have realized that it's a worthwhile game for the two of them on a yearly basis. I know you're going to look that up really quick because Bill's uh, really good at such things. But um, uh, the, the really four really good games. And you know, for anyone who hasn't caught Duke yet, you know, there's been a great collection of freshmen at Kentucky and Duke for the last, you know, six, seven years with this one-and-done craze, this might be the best collection of freshmen ever. And I know that's saying a lot because Kentucky won the national title with Anthony Davis and was John Wall and Davis together. Uh, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a crazy team. Michael Kidd Gilchrist was on that team um, with Anthony Davis, and that, that's the only time that Coach Cal could actually win with all this one-and-done <laughs> talent. But uh, Is that a shot? Kevin? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Not a shot. Yes, it is. You, when, when you recruit like those two teams, both Kentucky and Duke, they should win pretty much every year. And that, of course, uh, no, no one believes that, but that's how, that's what I believe. Uh, that team that won the national championship over Kansas uh, had Marquise Teague, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, Terrence Jones, mm-hmm. Anthony Davis, Deron Lamb, Darius Miller, and Kyle Wiltshire. Well, that's a pretty good lineup right For their there. main rotation, yes. guys. With Davis being this eventual NBA superstar. And the eventual NBA superstars on the Duke team currently would be would be R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson. And uh, for anyone who hasn't seen Zion, he's, he's probably the most unique college player of the last you know, 15, 20 years. Uh, he, he'll, he'll catch you and knock you off your socks with his... Uh, dunks, but he can step outside and shoot threes too. And, and folks, he's as big; he's the exact same dimensions as Aaron Judge, the uh, New York Yankee slugger. He's like six seven, two eighty. He's just a very, very unique cat. Yeah, I, I, he is. He he's a human version of, of evolution. He's what evolution looks like. Someone like Zion Williamson didn't exist. 20, 30, 40 years ago. I, I mean, if you look at his size and how athletic he is, uh, that first game against San Diego State on Monday in the Maui Invitational, he had a steal and a run-out windmill jam. And there's a, a picture circulating on Twitter today uh, of Zion's windmill dunk from behind. His head is sort of at the top of the backboard square. It's, it's fully over the rim. Uh, and you can just see the, the faces of the folks who are sitting under the basket. They're just completely in awe mm. of someone that big being that athletic and being able to do the things that he does. It, it really is remarkable. I have a request for Zion uh, tonight in the semifinals. If he has another one of those chances, don't dunk so hard. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to break a backboard, break, uh, the sh- shatter a backboard. There's no, there's, he's just too big and strong and throws it down with such ferocity that it's almost impossible not to. And I have a feeling that the people out in Maui might not have a spare backboard and rim like they would back at Cameron Indoor in North Carolina, if you know what I mean. You, you might underestimate the Lahaina Civic Center. How dare you? Well, I've been to the Lahaina Civic Center, and it's really the Lahaina uh, gym. It's, it's not much bigger than... Uh, you know, a, a decent size high school gym. So yeah. I don't know where they'd stick it. I don't know where they'd have the, the extra. So just e- ease up a little, Zion. You know, throw it down, but, you know, don't uh, bring the house down with it. But uh, so a lot of games on the next couple of days. Uh, if you get tired of the NFL football, uh, there'll be a lot of college basketball on Thursday and, and, and all weekend long. Locally, uh, there's two games on Saturday. 
that we want to bring you up to speed on. Well, we're going to start with the Providence Friars, who had a busy weekend. Their tournament was last weekend at Mohegan Sun, where the Friars got by uh, South Carolina with a nice comeback victory, uh, 76-67, and then were knocked off by number 18, Michigan, 66-47. Bill, not sure how much you had a chance to watch those two games, but... um, you know, uh, I know you saw a pretty good chunk. Uh, j- j- just impressions a little bit before I weigh in. Uh, well, South Carolina, we, we saw the coming out party for David Duke. Uh, had 20 points in that game and, you know, looked very much like the point guard of the future at, at Providence. Uh, really gave them a lift when they needed it. Uh, Alpha Diallo was really good again in that game. Uh, you know, seemed to be flirting with a, a triple-double throughout, uh, you know, and, and played exactly the way they need him to play in order for them to beat good teams. Uh, I thought it was very impressive what Providence did in the second half. They, they weren't necessarily making shots early but didn't get frustrated and and kept coming uh you know played good defense in the second half against South Carolina and I think that that led to their offense uh, against Michigan they just weren't ready to win that game uh Michigan is just better than they are um you know, so well coached by John Beeline. Charles Matthews took Alpha Diallo out of the game. He actually looked ordinary. They're not going to beat anyone good if he's ordinary. Uh, and then Iggy Brezdakis, the five-star freshman, um, looked every bit the part that he was against Villanova, Michigan's previous timeout. He's going to be a handful for people to match up with. Uh, you know, and I just think Michigan, you know, as to be expected, looked a little bit more complete than Providence this early in the season. Very much so. Um, uh, you know, we'll just quickly off South Carolina, the one thing that stuck with me carry over there was uh, Providence had just come off a comeback win over Holy Cross where they basically couldn't guard the Crusaders man-to-man and won the game playing zone. Uh, Ed Cooley then came out and played a little bit of both uh, against South Carolina, but in the second half when they had their comeback, played man-to-man. And I think that that was really important because, needless to say, the Friars are a man-to-man team and they put most of their time and preparation into playing man uh, and the defense really jump-started a stagnant offense uh, in that game. Uh, the problem against Michigan is you're not going to turn them over. Uh, they ended up, uh, Michigan had only 11 turnovers. They, they start a senior point guard in Xavier Simpson. Uh, he's one of three guys who started for the Wolverines in the national championship game who are still on the team. And then, as you said, they added an impact fresh, freshman in Brazdikas. So, um, Michigan is picked second in the Big Ten for a reason. They may end up winning the Big Ten, and I think I wrote in my coverage afterwards that that may have been the best team that Providence is going to see all season. Uh, looking at the numbers, I think Cooley would be uh, happy if that is the best team he sees all season because mm. Providence struggled to get the 47 points uh, and shot 28% from the field. And You know, Bill, I, I think that's the, the number one concern that I have leaving the weekend is that against good man-to-man teams, uh, Providence needs to find more offensive answers. Uh, you know, David Duke and uh, A.J. Reeves and obviously Alpha Diallo, I, I think all three of those guys can score – uh, as long as AJ's not just relying only on his jumper, which uh, is what he did all weekend, he really didn't have a- any uh, you know breakout performances there. The rest of the guys, uh, Isaiah Jackson is a vital player. Played well against South Carolina. He was 0 for 7 against Michigan. Uh, Nate Watson had his, had his usual chances inside. He was 2 for 7 for 10 points. Um, you know they they just don't have more wing 
uh, action. Uh, Malik White had five points, uh, you know, in 23 minutes. They need him to supply a little bit more. So it, it, it's just that offensive punch. They, they just need more guys to, to step up. Yeah, it, it was difficult in terms of, you know, trying to make perimeter shots. I, I know, you know, Ed Cooley said after the game that he felt like they probably had six or seven sort of open, open uncontested ones. threes that, that maybe need to go down. I would say, who do you really want shooting those outside of A.J. Reeves? There, mm-hmm. There's not really a, a natural perimeter shooter uh, among this group. Yeah, you know, uh, Diallo and Isaiah Jackson seem to have the green light as well. And, and you know, Jackson has had already a couple games this year where, where he hit quite a few. He, in the first game against Siena, he, he knocked down, I think, four. Um, but I wouldn't call him a pure shooter by any stretch. He, but right. that, that said, he can make open ones. He's he's an experienced player. He's hit threes in his career. Uh, he was 0 for 4 in that game. And Alpha Diallo is vastly improved on the three point line. He was 1 for 4. So, you know, those two guys go 1 for 8. You're in a heap of trouble. Yeah, because they're going to get opportunities. And, and it's just going to be a matter of whether or not they can make them, uh, you know, fairly or unfairly. I think that's going to fall to Reeves uh, a lot of nights. I mm-hmm. think he's probably the best perimeter scorer on the team. All ready, uh, even though he's only a freshman and, and the type of guy who, you know, fairly or unfairly, as we talked about in the last podcast, uh, someone who's going to have to grow up quickly for Providence to beat good teams mm-hmm. on the other side. Yeah, and uh, again, it really didn't play well in the two games down at Mohegan. I, I will say that uh, part, part of that may be due to uh, minutes. Uh, he only played 18 minutes against Michigan with really no foul trouble. Um Ed Cooley has talked openly about his rotation and uh, still looking for the right answers. Uh, he had a different group that came back against South Carolina than the one that came back against Holy Cross. So things are definitely still in flux. That said, it's, it's really hard to play 10, 11 guys. Really hard. And uh, you know, it's a matter of time before that rotation constricts. And I think you, you saw the contrast on the other side with John Beeline. Uh, Brian Blaney in, Seven. The, in the post game mm. uh, on with our friends John Rook and Joe Hassett said John Beeline's going to play his seven guys and they're going to play their roles and that's generally who his team is year in and year out and you, know, you have the box score in front of you Kevin the the numbers bear that out Michigan mm-hmm. didn't really rely on much more than six or seven guys in that game and, and probably won't at any point in the season no and it's funny if you look at the guys who didn't play who just you know got in just a tiny bit you know David DeJulius was a very highly rated kid from Michigan uh, Brandon Johns same thing you know a, a, a you know top 100 type recruit and John Beeline really doesn't care. He, he he's, thinks he has a good team. He's playing his upperclassmen, with the exception of Brazdikas, who clearly you know deserves to play. And the other guys will get their experience and get better in practice. And Providence doesn't really have that uh, you know type of a roster right now. They have some upperclassmen who. You know, it's it's tough not to play them. You know, Emmett Holt's back from his injury, but he's 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 ready to go, or at least ready for some minutes. He played, you know, nine in this game. Khalif Young is a junior; he needs to play. He played only twelve minutes. He he was largely ineffective. Uh, we've talked about Malik White. Uh, Drew Edwards is a redshirt senior, and basically he's not playing much at all. So, it, uh, Makai Ashton Langford is only a sophomore, but you know I think he certainly thinks that he should be playing more. So it, it's a challenge right now for Cooley to juggle all these things. But I can tell you right now, but 
we're getting to the point where there's going to be eight guys playing. Well, by the time you get into the Big East, you, you would like to think that, you know, barring injuries or, or whatever else, you're going to have your seven, eight, nine guys who are going to get the bulk of the minutes decided. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and most nights, and, and we've seen this with Ed in, in previous years, in a given game, if he finds a lineup of five who are working well together and who he likes, he'll ride them mm-hmm. throughout. Uh, I think back a few years ago when they, uh, they won at Butler. And I think Pascal Chukwu played a bunch in that That's game, right. and I remember that you know maybe was Tom Planick might yeah. have played like twenty twenty five, or was that Ted Bancroft? Might have been the all time great walk on Ted Bancroft. Ted Bancroft yes. played twenty twenty five minutes in that game, or, or something yeah. like that. Uh, no, he's not afraid to just like you said go with the hot hand, and it, with this with this group, uh, as long as you know they keep coming back to practice and working hard, I think that group could change. The bottom half of that group could change. He's gone out of his way to say that Chris Monroe, the freshman from North Carolina, might be his best shooter. Well, if that's the case, he needs to get a few shots. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? right. Uh, he was he was zero for zero in uh, four minutes against Michigan. Now, I, you know, I, again, he's a young player, and we'll see what happens going forward. But um, I, I think Ed Cooley could, would be able to tell us on the slide right now who his top four to six are, and. Maybe those bottom three could be uh, interchangeable over the course of uh, the season. Well, college basketball being what it is in recruiting, it's survival of the fittest. Uh, you know, these guys are a lot of these guys are given the same pitch. You're going to come in, you're going to have a chance to play right away, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, when the rubber meets the road and they all play against each other in practice or in games, it's all about who produces and who looks better. And you know, as you know, this is a results business, and you know, Ed is going to conduct himself and and you know craft his rotations accordingly. So a glimpse ahead for the Friars, you know, three and two, uh, really can't afford too many more losses, maybe one uh, the rest of the way in the non-conference. And sure enough, they have a lot of home games coming up. One, two, three, four, five, six of the next seven games are at home. And, you know, that's how you get healthy. Uh, That said, uh, not an easy uh, slog. They have Iona on Saturday at four o'clock. Iona is always one of the top teams in the MAC. Uh, just lost at the buzzer last night to, uh, I believe it was Long Beach State uh, in a tournament uh, out west. And um, that's pretty much Providence's only game this weekend. So while uh, everyone else plays and eats their turkey, the, the Friars will be getting ready really for that one game because uh, that's all they play this week. Then next week is uh, Fairleigh Dickinson and a team called Rhode Island a week from Saturday. And uh, that's our transition to the Rhodey Rams uh, where – uh, that's that's what they call a segue, folks. Segue, and and it's uh, I tell you, a really strange schedule for the Rams. I mean, it probably played the, one of the fewest amount of games, only three in the country at this stage. Because again, teams usually are, are jumping into tournaments and, and loading them up. And uh, you can talk about their schedule a little bit, Bill. It's it's more back loaded in the non conference season than front loaded, which maybe is a good thing for such a young team. You know, you usually want teams to play some games for experience, but. I'm sure the practices are pretty good. Yeah, uh, played Bryant in the opener, had a week off. Played Harvard on Friday. They'll have eight days off uh, before they play Stony Brook on Saturday. They play at Providence. They have another week off before they play Holy Cross. Then they'll have another eight days before they play West Virginia. Um, But then you start to stack them in. You've got, obviously, Bucknell leading off the tournament in Hawaii. You'll Mm -hmm. play three games in four days there. You'll come back and play Middle Tennessee, and then you'll jump right into the A-10, uh, and Rhode Island's bye isn't until the second week of February in the A-10. Wow. Um, so they'll they'll start off, you know, starting with St. Louis on January 6th, and they will play a lot of games in the next month. Um, you know, you're looking at 
eight, ten games in a, a fairly short period of time, playing twice or three times a week. Um, so this time, I, I would assume, and you know, we're meeting with with URI a little later today at practice. Uh, this is a chance for them to just get comfortable with one another. You know, maybe install more of their offense, more of their defensive schemes, get an idea of how they'd like to play, and that's so important when you're trying to incorporate so many young guys into the rotation as they are. Uh, caught the Harvard game. Uh, my impressions were that. Uh Thank God for Jeff Doughton and Fats Russell. Uh, you know, we knew that they would have to shoulder an awful lot of responsibility, but especially now early in the season because uh, the freshmen, they're ready to play, but they're not ready to, to perform on a consistent basis. And, you know, again, that's no knock on the freshmen. That's, that's college basketball in this day and age. But, boy, Jeff Doughton uh, especially has really stepped up his game. Yeah, uh, you had three guys play really, really well that night. Obviously, Jeff Doughton. Fats Russell, Cyril Langevin. You needed all of that to beat Harvard by two points at home, a Harvard team who's down two starters, Bryce Aiken and Seth Towns. Uh, and I think that just speaks to you know, how much pressure is on those three guys, mm. fairly or unfairly. Uh, you know, Jeff Doughton had a career-high 31 points. Fats Russell struggled mightily from three. He was one of eight until he made his game-winning shot with about four seconds to go and a 76-74 win. Uh, and then Cyril Langevin had another double-double with 13 points and 10 rebounds and, and is really asserting himself underneath. Did a real nice job uh, in a high-profile matchup with Chris Lewis, uh, mm-hmm. who was limited to 10 points and four boards, was in foul trouble throughout. Uh, Cyril won that matchup pretty decisively, and I, I think that was you know fairly key towards Rhode Island winning this game as well. And uh, Rhode Island is getting ready for also a Saturday game they play in the afternoon at two o'clock uh at the ryan center against stony brook a stony brook team that's very dangerous uh you know certainly if they're not as good as harvard they're close uh they beat south carolina in south carolina uh for example and uh, again i just saw the game cox and uh, they beat they beat george washington by like 40 uh, on sunday so um that that Stony Brook game will be no walk in the park for the Rams. No, and in Rhode Island's case, uh, you know, obviously, if if you need those three guys to play so well on a given night to win, you know, what happens if one of them doesn't? And mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, the type of thing where you play Stony Brook next and then Brown before you have Providence. Those are two games that you should win. You're at home for both of them. Uh, interestingly enough, in in my research uh, after the Harvard game, they've won 18 straight. Uh, at home in the non-conference, which hmm. you know spans over the last couple seasons, uh, the last loss they had was on the Ben Bentel tip-in. Some might say that he shoved Jarvis Garrett. Well, uh, you well, know, he, we could, well, he did. He, he did. He did. Yeah, as they say, the tape doesn't lie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you go back. That's in the the fifteen sixteen season. Um, you know, so it's been a long time since they've lost a non-conference home game. They've done a really good job of protecting the Ryan Center, and I think that's you know something that they're going to have to do here because they actually don't play many home games here mm-hmm. out of conference. They only have three more. You have Stony Brook, Brown, and Middle Tennessee. The rest of their games are either on the road, you're at Providence and at Holy Cross, then you play West Virginia at Mohegan Sun, and then the three games in Hawaii. Right. Um, so these next two, Stony Brook and Brown in particular, are going to be really, really important for this team to build some confidence into some more difficult games. You play Providence, Holy Cross, and West Virginia. That's going to be a really tough stretch for this team. Another segue? Is that allowed? Sure. To the Brown Bears. Absolutely. I just mentioned them, and they're coming off a really successful weekend. Mike Martin was 
somehow able to convince uh, three other teams to come to Providence for a weekend for a tournament, the Brown Bears tip off, uh, and it paid off. The Bears won all three games. Um, uh, the last being an impressive blowout of Army. Um, also beat UMass Lowell and Sacred, Sacred Heart. Heart. Yes. Uh, so uh, Brown, after two close losses, uh, you know, I'm sure they're saying right now, "Wow, we could be five and zero." And Mike Martin really liked his team coming into the season. I uh, can't tell you what three wins in a row does for a team's confidence. So uh, uh, Brown now will host one more home game. They'll play Bryant on Sunday afternoon, a 6 o'clock uh, game on Sunday, um, before they head to Rhode Island. So I, I think Brown can be colored dangerous right now. Yeah, the, the interesting thing with Brown, and, and obviously we talked about this all last year, is the two games they lost – against LIU Brooklyn and NJIT, Desmond Cambridge didn't necessarily play that well. Mm -hmm. The three games that they won, UMass Lowell Sacred Heart Army, he did. Mm -hmm. And that's not a coincidence, as we know. He's one of the best players in the Ivy League. And they were also at home. You know, uh, home versus road is is a big difference. Uh, That's why Sunday's game for the Bears is important. You know, Bryant comes in uh, in a rebuilding mode. Uh, You know, they've been on the road a lot uh, with the the new coach, Jared Grosso. That, that, That that's a game that Bryant thinks that they can win. That's a game that Brown thinks that they should win. So, uh, big game on Sunday night, and then uh, that sets up uh, local rivalry week next week when Brown goes to the Ryan Center and then uh, the Rams come to Providence. My guess is we'll have a little podcast next week to discuss that a little bit. <laughs> Maybe a little something like that. Just a, a quick note on Bryant. You can see them improving already. Uh, they weren't necessarily competitive against Rhode Island or Seattle. They were able to beat St. Peter's at home and then lost by four at Navy. Uh, and you wouldn't necessarily expect a, a team you know, with a first-year coach with so many new pieces to be able to win games on the road, even if it's Navy or, or anybody else. Mm. Uh, but for those guys to play them all the way down to the wire, you lose 83-79. Um, and they were just sticky and tough and you know played really hard for Jared Grasso in that game. I, I think you're sort of going to look at Bryant building in baby steps here, and I, I feel like that was probably one of them. No question. No question. Winning on the road is the last thing a young team is expected to do, but uh, uh, you know, if you want to have a good season, you've got to scratch out a few. So uh, I think Sunday is certainly an opportunity for Bryant, but Brown's uh, coming in on a high note. So that's it for this uh Providence Journal Pick and Pop. Uh, Enjoy the games, and really happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all.